Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 14 of the Cynical Challenge podcast. My name is Grace Knudsen, joining you from Edmonton, Alberta. Jeff Paulus is on the line from St. Albert. JP, how you been? Well, you know, Leafs about to blow it again, so... Yeah, I um, didn't want to bring that, but you know what? Yeah. This will probably be out by either the day of Game Seven or the day after, so yeah, don't have to worry about spoilers. But um, anyways, uh, let's say hi to Jeff Salisbury in Saskatoon, who I assume has been drunk for the last five six hours after Chelsea won the Champions League. <laughs> Sally, how are we? I'm doing pretty good, Gray. It's <laughs> the first thing Chelsea's won in about a hundred years. Oh, wait, they won, like, an, a Europa League, so, I mean, if that counts. You know, and, and they won the FA Cup mm-hmm. back in the – well, actually, I can't even remember when that was. Exactly. It's been a little while. It's been a little while, that's true. It's been a little while. Okay, well, you earned one anyways, so. Um, yeah. I guess the big news this week is that uh, the Canadian men are gearing up for a couple of crucial matches to wind up this round of World Cup qualifying against Aruba and Suriname. The roster is out couple of additions, a couple of people who aren't on it due to various reasons. Uh, JP, why don't we start with you? Uh, you've had a chance to look at the 24 men that John Herdman has selected for these two games. Uh, what do you make of the roster this time around? Uh, I think it's just like the, the previous. I mean, it's a, it's a good roster. You know, he's got a lot of players to choose from, and um, we're getting to the point where we're almost two in every position. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think I'm happy with it. I've got no real – concern with it no real yeah cool. that's it yeah it's pretty simple hey at this point like yeah. the depth is amazing sally is there anything that jumps out that's missing or that was added that uh you think is of note i'm a bit curious why max Grapo was what isn't on it i i is he, i'm not sure if he's injured right now or perhaps he's just staying back with the uh with the white caps to help them during their season. Um, I'm not entirely sure why he, he he's been, he's off the, off the roster, but I mean, St. Clair uh, being on, which is good to see. I, I hope he actually gets to start against uh, Aruba um, to get some, some, his first international cap and, you know, just to um, see yet another Canadian goalkeeper become an option really for us. So that's, that's a plus. Um, it's great to see Johnny David, on i was really happy to see that i mean honestly we'll, we'll be able to put out basically a david fonzie front two <laughs> maybe or maybe maybe uh maybe a fonzie david lair in front three uh which which is pretty devastating at this point uh so i yeah i think um i don't know i'm not i'm not really i'm not worried at all sure Suriname has picked up some some players from europe they'll be a stronger opponent i honestly expect maybe um like a one or two nil game like it's going to be tight you know, uh, but uh, I, I just simply don't think we're going to have any any real issues in these games. So, no, that's a good point. The two players that I guess were left off, uh, Tiba Hutchinson, uh, he's dealing with. Uh, I think it's a bit of a hammy. Uh, Herdman said, um, yeah. But it, it sounds like he would be up for coming in September when uh, you know the next round would be. So that's good. And Scotty Arfield too. I guess some family commitments. He's kind of. I don't know if he's on the fence about playing again internationally or not, but. The door is being left open is what it sounds like from Herdman. So that's always so mm-hmm. good to see. Um, just thinking about uh, the Aruba squad, I was looking at the roster. Every single player on the Aruba squad, this is for the June 5th match uh, yeah. in Florida. That's the Aruba quote-unquote home game that's in Florida. Uh, all of their players are domestic except one. They have one player who plays in the fifth tier in Germany. Uh, so... I don't know. What do you guys make of Aruba? They lost 6-0 to Suriname and 5-0 to Bermuda, who Canada uh, beat comfortably. So really shouldn't be an issue, should they? Don't think so. I think um, I don't think it's going to be um, an 11-0 drubbing like we like we gave the Caymans. It'll be a slightly tighter match, I think. But I, you know, I'm hoping that we get to see a guy like Liam Miller uh, start in a match like that. You know, I'm hoping that we we uh, we give some guys who haven't had as many caps uh, a chance to go out and and impress and, and get some goals. Um, but at the same time, we can't take it too lightly. I mean, it's it's a World Cup qualifier, so it's ultimately it's still a, a very very serious match. But you know, I mean, I don't want I, we we can't sound too arrogant. It's just ridiculous to be a Canadian soccer fan and <laughs> sound arrogant at all. <laughs> but yeah. at the same time, 
you know, this Aruba match should be uh, at least a five or six niller, you'd think, depending on who we start, right? Right. Depending on who we start. JP Aruba, 205th in the world. Uh, their schedule is different. This That will actually be their second game of this window. They're going to play on the second against the Caymans. Uh, mm-hmm. For us, it's going to be our first match. Um, do you? Does that change the approach? And does Herdman look at things differently, knowing that he's got a bigger game against Suriname three days later? Well, I think you want. To, I think you certainly want a, a portion of this game to um, to be some of your lineup that you're going to see in that second one. I think you do want to get the players together on the pitch together, a bit of chemistry before that one, um, because they'll be obviously, you know, they're not going to be a pushover Suriname. So this is an opportunity uh, for John, yeah, to get to get his lineup uh, to see what they're going to be like. And then, you know, you get comfortable, then you start putting in players. That's the way I'd approach it uh, in this one. Um, just, again, to start building that chemistry and get players back on the pitch and get players playing the way that, uh, that you've been training and preparing them. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I guess the Suriname match, uh, I guess finish up on the Aruba match. I believe that's a 6 o'clock mountain time start, so 8 o'clock Eastern, 5 o'clock Pacific, and that's the Saturday, catch it on one soccer um, and then the next match is the Suriname match. That's on the fifth. So that's the Tuesday. Um, that's the big one. That's the one everybody's been looking forward to. It's the one that we've had circled as kind of the one that would decide the group. I uh, looked at their roster. It's a strange makeup. They have players from all over the place. They got a couple of guys in Israel, uh, obviously a lot of uh, Dutch based players uh, in the Eredivisie and uh, a couple of divisions lower, not a lot of domestics. I don't know much obviously about the Suriname league, but uh, not a lot of guys there, but they've got guys from all over. Um, I think the most interesting thing too, I believe I counted, there were only four players on the roster who had more than four caps. There are a lot of guys who are either uncapped or had one or two, so it just seems like a period of transition for Suriname where they're finding those Dutch dual nationals. And it creates a bit of an element of mystery, I think. What do you guys make of that? JP, go ahead. Yeah, no, absolutely right. Listen, this is a situation for me where, you know, you, you've got um, – we've got a lot of players now playing in Europe. And there is a, a massive, rightfully so, a celebration on, on social media about the number of our players that have won a cup this year uh, playing in the different divisions. Um, it, it would be prior to prior to what we're seeing this last couple of years with Canadians, you know, so prevalent in Europe, this would be more of a concern because at the end of the day, you know, again, if you're getting, it doesn't matter where they're from, where they're playing at, um, you know, what island, you know, where in CONCACAF, if they're playing in Europe and getting minutes, uh, they're going to come in prepared. They're going to come in at a decent level. And, um, and we've not been able to match that in years past. Our players have not been playing in Europe. They've been, you know, in the lower leagues here. They've been maybe some MLS, um, maybe overseas, but not playing. So this is different for us. Um, not only now will be match uh, minutes, you know, minutes played in, in, in Europe, uh, in, in better leagues than what we have in, in North America, um, but in better clubs. And I, I think that's where, you know, we stand against, against this side. So I, I'd be very disappointed uh, to, to not come back with six points in these two games. Yeah, it would be a massive disappointment. And Sally, I know that from the Voyageurs perspective, it is so hard to wrap your head around being the favorites in a group and winning games, dominating games that we shouldn't have a problem with. Uh, what is your feeling heading into uh, that match against Suriname? Yeah, you know, I, I'm not too worried. Again, I, I, I think it's going to be quite a bit tighter than anything we've seen in quite a while. Um, I think we're, we're looking at like a one or two nil win, but it's going to be a win. That's the biggest thing. It's going to be a win. It's just going to be a lot tighter. You know, that's, that's a match where there's going to be a lot of, a lot of bum squeaking because uh, it'll be squeaky bum time the whole way through. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, I think John does a really good job of mentally preparing the squad for the task at hand. And I think we've perhaps lacked that in previous national team coaches and so that's why I really am not that worried. I know there's a few folks out there that are on the Herdman out wagon already. And I think that's just beyond ridiculous. So at this point, um, it's going to be tight. I, 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 you know, you can't, under, like, like Jeff said, you can't un- underestimate any of the players that are on their, their squad that are playing regular minutes in Europe, because that's just, you know, Europe is just always that, that step higher than anywhere else in the world, really. Um, 
And and so, uh, you know, the the only thing that I'm a little bit concerned about is is our back line. We're missing quite a few uh, quite a few guys from that back line who have normally been there. Uh, I don't think Cornelius is on this on the squad, is he? Uh, no, he's not. He's not. Yeah. So Derek, I'm not sure if he has a knock right now. I I, I had didn't see if he was playing last weekend or not for the Whitecaps, but. You know, Derek Cornelius has generally been a lock for us at the back, and he's not there. Um, we have Henry back, which is nice. Uh, we have Vittoria. Um, we're having Frank, Frank Sturring come in. Yep. Uh, and uh, I want to say Scott Kennedy's on this yep, squad as right. well. Yeah. So, you know, it might be actually, you know, it might be good to see a guy like like Frank and, and a guy like Frank and Scott perhaps um, as one of those two starting CBs. Um depending on what on what john wants to do because you know vittoria has been there for us and he's normally been playing minutes but he hasn't really played that many minutes for more more renze how the heck you say that that's a tough one to say um <laughs> uh, but uh, he hasn't he hasn't been playing a ton of minutes for them this year so if john looks at at, at match fitness and number of minutes played to be basing some of these decisions on then you might have to go with either uh, Sterling or Kennedy because they have been getting minutes. Uh, Kennedy's been getting minutes. I want to see in the, in the two Bundesliga, I think is where he placed second or third tier Germany. I'm not sure what tier it is, but Jan Regensburg is the club. Yeah. I, uh, so. We need John Ian to like burst into the podcast <laughs> right now and be like, he plays in this mm-hmm. division with like proper pronunciation and everything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah everything. Yeah. He would spit on us and then say it properly, but <laughs> um, yeah. So, and, and stirring is in, uh, in, in the air, air division. I don't think he's in, the, or, or, or the, uh, the, the, the Dutch second, the second, second division tier, with, with Den Bosch. Yeah. Yeah. Den Bosch. And I believe he's been getting a decent number of starting minutes as well. So, Sorry, getting a little long-winded on this, but uh, yeah, I guess ultimately it's it's uh, again it's it's our defense that we're 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 I think primarily worried about, right? We just can't afford to have an oops in a match against uh, a club like uh, or a club a, a country like Suriname, you know, who are who are kind of pretty pretty hungry right now. So particularly if that oops is going to come, I would say early in the match. You know, it's the first goal. You find yourselves down one nil. I think that. Would put. I don't think it would be something that we couldn't overcome, obviously, but I think it would be something that would put a lot of doubt maybe in some of the minds of some of the players and would definitely put a lot of doubt in some of the fans as well. Uh, yeah. JP, Sally identified defense as kind of his X factor. Uh, give me a, a player or two who you're looking to, to these two matches uh, to shine or maybe make a big impact. Well, I mean, you, you go with all the, the usual ones. I mean, um, it would be interesting to see how Tijan continues to progress for me. Um, that's one. And Daniel Henry, you know, getting him back out there. He'll have to be, I think, the, the stud in the back line. He'll have to keep things calm. He's got the experience. So um, so to go along with the defenders that you're saying, Jeff, Daniel, I think will be quite important when, when you are when you consider the other two. Um, yeah, and who's not here, I, I think. So that would be it. I'd like to see one of the other keepers get a start, it's certainly against Aruba. I'd like to see uh, Dane, um, you know, get a shot here, um, certainly in, in game one at least, to see how he does and ride that. But I think this is a, a good opportunity to maybe look at um, where we're at goalkeeping-wise going forward. Um, I made com- comments about that one of our previous episodes, if that's a change that I certainly, you know, support going forward for, for our national team. Um, I mean, I guess that's, yeah, that would be it. You know, we Kyle do. Laram, does he yeah. keep scoring? You well, know? like, I mean, if you're, if you're Suriname, you really have to be asking yourself, how do we deal with a front three of Fonzie, David Laren right yeah. now? Because yeah. that is, I, I argue that that's the best front three in CONCACAF that you could put out. I think it's better than what Mexico can even put out right now. And if you get Fonzie on his AA plus game, and you get David on his AA plus game, man alive. Like you don't even really need Laren to, to light it up at that point. You just have, you have two guys that are, you know, they're not even at the prime of their careers yet. They're still young and they're just mm-hmm. lighting it up in Europe. I mean, it's just shocking really to think about it. So yeah, I think, I think really the onus is on, on the Suriname manager of how do you deal 
with two absolute world-class players. I mean, heck, didn't David get linked with Real Madrid the other day? I think there's talk that Real Madrid has him and one other guy in their sights to, to, hmm. to buy for next season. Wow. So, you know, that's, that's the level that they're, they're staring down the barrel of that gun, the Suriname uh, team right now. So, yeah. Sorry, I'm not sure, I, I'm I, not I, sure I've what the demonym is either. So, <laughs> I've, had, I've, had, I've had one or two today. So, <laughs> yeah. thanks for giving me. Um, no, I, I hadn't seen the Real Madrid thing. Personally, I no, don't want to see that because I, I like when he gets minutes and I think he just gets buried at Real, but that's probably well, the problem is, is that the point. Lil's going bankrupt, yeah. right? No, Lil's sure. going bankrupt, so they're going to have the to probably sell him. And, uh, and that Yank that's playing for them, trying to remember what his name is. He's another striker. Yeah, yeah. Another young um, kid too, yeah. Yeah, he's a younger guy. Yeah, him. David and David and that Yank, they might have to they might have to sell off uh, because they got, really is, big, they got really big contracts there, so. You just switched over to Jonathan David. Sorry, I thought, uh, I thought we were talking him or or, or um, I thought you were talking about Fonzie initially. Well, both. Yeah, but yeah. You, David at, at Lil. I mean, we Lil's got to be mm, selling off David yeah, at this yeah. point. So no, if they can cash in, yeah, because they they, yeah. they need some money. But yeah. that Real Madrid rumor was that him or 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 I thought you said the Real Madrid rumor was Davies, which is a rumor no, I never I heard. David. No, it was David. It was Jonathan oh, okay. David that's okay. been linked to Real Madrid. So okay. I mean, so that could be that could be David's agent just pumping up that <laughs> that buy price in the end. But still, like, when's, when's mean, the last, have we ever had a Canadian international linked to Real Madrid? Right. Maybe right. Fonzie. Like, maybe I can't remember if Fonzie was linked to to Real or maybe it was Barca. It was one of the two of them. But still, like, I mean, this he, is wild. These are wild yeah. times we're living in, fellas. <laughs> no, it's crazy. To what Gray said, though, I mean, that's I agree with Gray. I think that'd be a, that you're not going to play over Benzema. I mean, it's just not going to no, happen. Not, yeah. So, yeah. Silly season getting a, a head start here. Uh, just mm-hmm. to finish up your thought on keepers, JP, uh, Milan Borian, the stalwart is back. And uh, James Pantamus, who, of course, we know from uh, his days mm-hmm. of Valor and back with CF Montreal this year uh, playing with them. So there's your trio. And we have to remember, too, fellas, that this group might be together for – a lot longer than these two matches. It might be another week. We sure hope it is, and it absolutely should be. Um, I'm can I don't know. I don't think you can make changes. Can you bring in an extra guy after these two matches or not? I don't know they how that works. Bringing, they're bringing another uh, what is it? Eight eight players in or thirteen? I can't remember what it is. Who I think for these two matches have to uh, only be there for training, but. Once we progress from the group to the will likely be the Haiti series, then I believe we're able to call call another new squad of oh, okay. whatever worker calling is like twenty three. I'm I'm pretty sure that's that's because they're I think they're technically two two separate uh, windows uh, windows yeah um, in in this regard. I don't think they they all function on, under the same window because when is that when is that two legged series? That's at the end of this month, isn't it? No, or, it's the twelfth and the fifteenth. It's it's literally like four days later. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that's that's why they'd be doing it then. Okay. I wonder wow. if that's maybe why uh, Max Cropo's <laughs> not a part of this. If Dane St. Clair goes this time, and maybe Max comes in for the next series. And maybe there's a few guys who are doing that. I know uh, particularly the MLS guys. I know Alistair Johnson's on this squad, maybe, and Richie mm-hmm. Lorea, who's been drinking now. Maybe they switch uh, <laughs> off with a couple of other guys too. So, Yeah. Yeah, we, we'd hope uh, that maybe Scotty Arfield comes in for that two-legged series, but I don't think that's going to happen either. No, that's a shame. Know. I really, I really don't want to. I really don't want Scotty to to close the door on on the national team. I really uh, enjoy watching him play, and I think he brings a lot mm-hmm. to the squad still. So, and like yeah. Azorio is on this squad, but I don't really think he. How many matches has he been able to play for TFC now? Like, I think he played last last weekend. I don't think he yeah, played the one day. Did he? I, I don't think so. I didn't. I happened to be watching no. another game that was happening at the same time as the TFC game today. So I which, didn't really get a chance to catch what was going on. Which is a whole other thing. I think MLS had three matches going on during Champions yeah. League's final, which what, is what absolutely asinine. Yeah. No, it's that stupid. Is, honestly, yeah. it's just, a, it's a bit of ego, honestly. And then I'm yeah. sure the ratings are crap. Yeah. yeah. And, and they rightfully yeah. should be. You know, and in a way, they yeah. should be punished for doing this because that's that's absolutely foolish. 
I mean, that's, uh, that's stupid. Well, it's it's yeah. MLS, right? <laughs> that's, that's right. They can part for the course. Let them burn. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, just to finish up the Suriname match, that is nine o'clock Eastern. So that's a late start. It's going to be the home game in Bridgeville, Illinois, which is just outside of Chicago, of course, home yeah. of Chicago Fire. Um, mm. Although, actually, they moved back to the city, didn't they? Anyways, so there's a stadium out there, and Canada's going to play there against Suriname. Nine Eastern, six Pacific, uh, seven o'clock Mountain Time for those of That's you old, in our time zone. That's old Toyota Toyota Field. Was that the one that was in outside of Chicago there, where the Fire used to play? Yeah, I think they I moved think back so. into the the city though. Anyways. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, because that's where Montreal was playing today was in, in that Chicago Stadium. And it looks right. different than what the previous one, because I've actually been there. Uh, a bunch of us went there on, on a road trip one time. Okay. We did a Canada match, TFC match, oh. and another TFC match. <laughs> yeah. like you, you know, I'm so disappointed right now. Yeah? I'm watching I'm watching Jeff have that. Uh, is that rum or rye? It's a rum. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was drinking gin. And uh, leaf game ended. I was no longer in a gin mood. I went to pour myself a nice rum, yeah. and uh, to be in this mood, and I have no coke. I'm gutted. Oh. We just yeah. drink it straight yeah. then, Jeff. That's the only way you're going to get yeah. the demon. We should have held off for 15 minutes. He could have run to the sab or something, but yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, good. Maybe it's a blessing. Maybe it's a blessing. I've got work tomorrow. No, I want to. I want to see a blot of Jeff Paulus stick his head in a bowling ball shiner. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've done worse. Homer, I'm sure. You your head in the ball shiner again? No, sir. <laughs> Checks his hair. Uh, anyways, uh, look at look at happy Jeff today. Uh, Chelsea wins a game for the first time in a while. Look at happy Jeff. That's nice. I like this. It's a it's good a bit, look, Jeff. It's a big mood swing from when Frankie Lampard was was managing, eh? Right. Oh my God, I was. So I was done. I was done with that before he, uh, he, before they even played a match. I thought it was ridiculous. He's not. He wasn't prepared. Well, now you're gonna get me drunk ranting on. Yeah. on yeah. Well, I we just I just know before every uh, for every recording session, we always have Jeff venting about Frank yeah. Lampard and how he has no idea what um, he's doing at the helm of Chelsea. So look, we won't. I have we won't a Lampard get into jersey. It. I have I have a Lampard jersey no, that I actually wore out to the wore out to the bar when where we were watching the game at Sports on Tap today, and I love Frank. I love him as a club legend. I loved him as a player. Hell, I even used to watch uh, New York City FC matches when he was taking the field for them, and uh, I just he he did himself a disservice. The club did him a disservice by yeah. allowing that appointment to happen. Yeah. It was just it was way yeah. premature. I mean, what he was ma- he had managed what for a season at Derby maybe was it. I think yeah. that yeah. I just I, I'm sorry, but you're just not you're not ready for that level yet, and and, and it just it sullied it sullied his his legacy a bit that he was such yeah. an absolute flop of a manager. I mean, look what Tuchel has done with them in the in the half season that he's had them. Yeah. He's gone and won the Champions League with them, and quite frankly, they you know if if they would have started with Tuchel. I have no doubt in my mind that they would have been challenging City for the the challenge. They beat them three times in a row down the stretch. Same players. Same players. You know what? It would have been the same if Stevie G had taken the Liverpool job um, right off the bat. It would have been the same thing for him. You know, and 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 this is going to be crazy. And I'm not. uh, It's almost laughable that I'm even going to say it. Really, but you know, I look at those situations because you come into it with such emotional ties to the club, to your history there, to the fans. And it does cloud you. And, and you know, I'll take this all the way back. And I wish now in hindsight, and again, a way smaller scale, and I'm talking, you know, yeah, mountains to little tiny molehill wherever I'm at. But I really wish I didn't take the FC Edmonton job. I wish I had maybe, you know, taken a different job somewhere else and, and got away from my emotional attachment to everything around the club. And I would have done myself better. But different – I know we're talking a much different level, but it's the same thing. It's for Lampard, the emotions, seeing everybody every day that he grew up playing for, everyone idolized him. No one can be honest with him. No one, be, no one will tell him the truth about what he needs to do differently because he's Frank Lampard. Would have been the same same for Stevie G. So I feel for him. Um, he needed just a more season. I'm sure he'll become a fine manager, just not yet. Not That's there. right. That's right. Well, I mean, look at Stevie G goes and uh, starts managing Rangers and they win the Scottish Premier Le- Premiership yeah. for the first time in – well, a decade? <laughs> yeah, maybe more. a decade, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they had to so go down, I mean, like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, 
you know, and, and I think, I think that's why, and it's really unfortunate. I think um, Mark DeSantos is having such a rough time with the white caps. It's unfortunate because he kind of did take that route of getting away from, from his roots. I mean, he went down and, and managed yeah. in Brazil for a couple of years and then, and then, and then went through kind of the lower leagues of, of Yank football. Um, eventually and won everywhere he went. NFL. Yeah. And had tons of success. And then, you know, I think he comes back and, and is managing in, in Canada and, and maybe the same thing has happened to him a little bit with, with the white caps, because they're, they're certainly underperforming compared to what I think they should be able to do with, with the players they have. And I mean, you know, Cavallini's not doing him any favors and, and it's unfortunate uh, back, back to the national team uh, in a way here going full circle, but you know, I really wonder if Cavallini should even be getting a call right now because he has been so poor for the white caps. He is just, he scored a, a couple, but he has just not been a DP uh, paycheck worthy player for the no. white caps since he's come, since he's arrived. And I really, I really wish he hadn't have left Mexican football because he was thriving in Mexican football. And maybe he ends up going down to the, to the Mexican second division, but you're still playing uh, uh, what I think is a, a better quality than you likely are even in, in MLS to some degree. Um, and, and he'd still hopefully be finding success. And it's kind of ruined him. It's kind of ruined him as a player. I mean, God, for a longest time, I was going to be buying a, a national team kit with his name on the back of it. But now, now I'm not so sure because he's, he's become so poor uh, these last couple of years that uh, I honestly wonder if he should even be getting a call. It's interesting. Maybe, you know, he gets a start against Aruba or something, and maybe he bags a couple and, you know, things start to turn around for him. But yeah, he has been disappointing this season for sure. And, and maybe it, maybe he does need to change the scenery. Who knows? Well, we'll have to see how it plays out. But again, maybe if he gets a couple in these four matches, I'm going to say we're playing four matches here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe he gets a couple and, and, you know, things turn around. You never know. So why don't we shift focus uh, to the women? They also announced a roster, 28 players uh, for a camp in Spain. They'll have two friendlies uh, against the Czech Republic and against Brazil uh, over in Spain. And then, Decision time for Beth Priestman. She's somehow got a cut down from 28 to 18 ahead of the Olympic Games, which the soccer tournament starts a couple of weeks or not, sorry, not a couple of weeks, a couple of days before July 23rd, which I think is opening ceremonies for that tournament. So things moving quick. And uh, we've talked about it before, but man, Bev has some choices to make and it is not going to be easy. There's going to be some good players who are left off. JP, why don't we start with you? Oh. Yeah, you're giving me, you're letting me start off with a tough one. Um, <laughs> I, honestly, I, I don't know how you break down this roster. I don't know how you, at the moment, um, narrow this to your 18. There, there's good players here. And uh, um, I mean, Vanessa Giles, yeah, she has to be on the team based on performance, uh, what she's done. But look who's coming back in, you know, yep. again, you're getting, get, yep. so, so what does that start to look like for you in, in the back? You've got four keepers there, and every one of them deserving. Um, you're gonna go. You're gonna break that down. What to two? I'm assuming for the Olympics. Yes, yeah, I would go two. Uh, you would think so with the roster limitations. So, so there's so two. We're losing two good keepers um, up front. I mean, who who doesn't make it up front on yeah. that? Yeah, um, your forwards are Becky Heidema, Chloe Lacasse, who's who's in for for some in a while. Leon, Michelle Prince, Deanne Rose, Christine Sinclair, and Evelyn Vian. So yeah. good luck, but <laughs> well, is, is uh, Adriana even recovered from that broken foot yet? I don't, I don't think she is. Well, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't think they'd call her into a camp. Yeah. Uh, she's on the roster. Weeks if she's not ready yeah, to go, fair. but I mean, I'll tell might... you one right now who I leave off is, is Jordan Heidema. Cause I really do not think she brings enough to the national team when she plays for it. I just haven't seen it from her. And sorry, Sorry, JP. I know this was supposed to be kind of your intro, but <laughs> I just I got to jump in. <laughs> it's your, no, this is it's your day. It's your day, Chelsea. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think I leave off Heidema. I really, I just she's not she's not an impact player coming in off the bench, and I don't think that she's enough of a force when she starts to really make a difference for us. Adriana Leone, on the other hand, has been playing really well for us in the last. Uh, number of, of uh, friendlies and and uh, back at the she believes and and I think that she is a much 
more lethal weapon to probably be bringing in off the bench. She's got a little bit more physicality uh, than than uh, Jordan does. Um, so if she's healthy uh, enough in time for the Olympics, I think I elect to take her over Jordan Heidema for sure. Um, the big questions come in, in midfield too, I think. Um, can you please remind me, is Sophie Schmidt on, on the uh, roster? Yes, yeah. for the, yes. Yeah. I definitely, I, I leave Sophie off at this point. I'm just, I'm over her playing for the, for the women's, uh, the women's squad. I, she's past her prime. I just don't think she brings enough into the squad anymore. Whereas Quinn, I think has been absolutely brilliant for us in, in a defensive role, a defensive midfield role. Pardon me. I, I think that Quinn and, uh, and Desi Scott are your go-to uh, defensive midfield. Yeah. At this point. Desi has to be there. Desi yeah. is a no brainer for me. Yeah. Jesse Fleming. Yeah. Yeah, Another no brainer. And Desi, uh, well, Christine, obviously. I mean, she's so this goes out to Carolyn Duffy, but Carolyn, you're right. I'm sorry, okay? Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's the first time I, in his life he's ever apologized for anything. Uh, I'll mm. kiss my cat's ass if it makes you happy now, Carolyn, for God's sake. So, yeah, in, uh, in, mid, in midfield, to be fair, the numbers in the camp are a little small, but some of those there. forwards, I think, can play. Almost in yeah. the mid, you have Fleming, Julia Grosso, Jordan Listro, uh, Quinn, Schmidt, Scott, and Sarah Stratagakis as well. So I think that's where you'll see some of the numbers come off and maybe some of the forwards could slide yeah. back into midfield. Yeah, for sure. Because I have to ask, I mean, you, you've left off Jordan Heidema and she was, wasn't she just named uh, fourth best uh, under 21 female player in the, in the world by ESPN? Yeah, I'm not but sure. I didn't I, see those rankings. I, I just that just came out, did it not? I'm okay. pretty sure that came out earlier today, and I'm only saying that. And I, I'm not, so I'm not. Uh, I'm just gonna be devil's advocate here because again, the Olympics is really it's now. We want this program to be successful, not just now, but we want we want to be able to grow what we have. And and for Good me, I, I look at a, a potential superstar, and um, and how do we not have her involved? in the biggest events, even for at the moment, maybe she's not been at her best in certain performances for Canada, recent performances for Canada, but her upside is still there. And I think, I think that she'll be a massive player for this country over the next decade. And I and, think, um, yeah, yeah leave that's, her out. that's not the national team's job to do though. That's PSG's job or wherever the heck she ends up. Cause I honestly am, am wondering if PSG is even going to hang on to her. She's not really starting for PSG very much these days. And, uh, mm. and, and when she's on, she hasn't been doing a heck of a lot for them either. So, you know, it's not, it's not the women's national team's job to be building Jordan Heidema into a future player. That's, that's her club career. That's going to do that development. Right. So I, well, I'm not I, saying Bill, I say developer because it's not a national team's job to develop at all. Yeah. Um, national teams don't youth national teams, senior, they don't develop players. They provide mm -hmm. a, a 10 day camp and get them ready for an event. So they, they man manage. Um, right. Right. But we're still talking about, do we, do we leave off who we think right now at this point is, is going to be a top, top player in world football at the female yeah, game. If, if the we thing. don't think that don't take her. If we do think that I still think when you have that roster and you've got a young player to come in, I still think that it's not a development thing, but we are still talking about, you know, who, who is regarded as one of the top young players. I, I think Honestly, for Canadian for for Canadian football's advancement's sake, I, I think the immediate success is, to me is more important. And I understand that you'd want to give a player like Jordan Heidema um, experience in in big big tournaments events mm -hmm. like like the Olympics. But I think I think it will do more good for the for the overall Canadian football as a whole to see the women succeed again at the Olympics and have the players that are going to be able to make them succeed at the Olympics and, 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 and earn another medal. Hopefully it's not just a bronze this time. Hopefully maybe we're playing for gold, but uh, you know, I, I, I think, um, I think we take, if she's healthy again, I mean, the caveat is, is if she's, if she's healthy enough, I think we take an Adriana Leone over, over Jordan Heidema strictly on the, the premise that she will be able to, uh, provide more on the field than what Jordan would be able to do. Um, I don't know. I just, I just, I just never been impressed with Jordan Heidemann when she's on the field for the women. And I mean, yeah, she scored, but her goals have come against, you know, exceptionally weak opposition and, and she hasn't bagged anything against uh, a Brazil or, 
in England or uh, Japan or, or anybody like that. You know, she hasn't really shown up in, in matches against that, that bigger competition, whereas Leon has scored some goals against those bigger teams. You know, I just, I, I really think that that, to, to me, that that's the most important thing is, is, is the success of the women has driven um, Canadian football forward for the last 20, 25 years. Cause it, you know, the, the men's only success obviously being the gold cup in the last long while, whereas uh, the, um, the, the success has really been driven by the women for the last little bit. So, and I think, I think it still speaks true because the general public pays attention more to the women's national team than the men's because they see the women having success in events that the Canadian public pay attention yeah. to, which is, which is the Olympics, right? Yeah. And we've had and, that conversation and, you know, before, right? Where Yeah, exactly. We, that's I why just, we were hoping that the men would actually get the Olympics because they would get some eyes on them. But um, I know in the yeah. past that the women's team has taken a little bit of flack for not taking younger players to big events, mm-hmm. whether it be the Olympics or Women's World Cup. And I mean, does it make an impact at that tournament right then and there? Maybe not, but I suppose you never know. But in the long run, does it impact them? And is that maybe why we've had these little stretches where we're like, okay, well, where are the young players? They have no experience because we've only ever fielded, you know, all these veterans and the veterans are eventually going to fall off and uh, have to retire and that kind of thing. And their games drop off. So I don't know. It's interesting. It's very difficult because 18 is, is weird. It's a weird number to work with because you're so used to working with 23. Mm-hmm. But yeah. so the Czech yeah. Republic well, I mean, and you know, Brazil, yeah. Go ahead, Sally. I guess, I guess, I guess the the other side of the coin is is if you know Leon's coming back from that fairly, you know, a broken foot's a fairly major injury. It's a broken bone, right? And if she's mm-hmm. coming back from that, is she potentially an injury risk at a tournament like the Olympics? Right. And if she if she goes injured in the Olympics, I can't recall if the Olympics has any any rules for player replacement due to injury. Um, I feel like there's, I'm not, I'm not sure. Okay, like a couple alternates who can be called. Yeah, in. if they have like an alternates uh, roster rule or not. But somebody who's far wiser than I would be able to answer that. I'm sure yeah. on Twitter. But uh, you know, it makes you wonder. Like, uh, is she is she potentially an injury risk coming off of uh, a broken foot? So. Yeah, I mean, I don't envy Bev, but at the same time, I do envy Bev because she's really got this women's team running like a well-oiled machine. Um, they looked they looked pretty fantastic in both uh, those matches against Wales and, and England. So uh, that male, that Wales match, we were we were lights out better than they were, and then in that in- England match, we just shut them down. You know, really we took advantage of a couple errors. So yeah, I'm really interested to see them get another crack at Brazil. I know that yeah, uh, yeah. loss at the She Believes Cup left a pretty sour taste in their mouth. So I'm interested to see how they do this time around, especially with both teams gearing up for the Olympics and should be in mm-hmm. as good a form as you probably could be. Yeah, yeah I think uh, I think Brazil is is very underrated in the rankings right now. Um, I think that they are actually a top three nation right now. I think it basically is the U S perhaps France and then, and then Brazil. I think, I think the Brazilians are that good because they have some genuine X factor players now. And uh, I think the, uh, I think that that's a major difference maker in, in women's football is if you have a couple of really stellar X factor players who are able to come out and produce for you on a regular basis, that uh, I think is a big difference. So, you have Japan and Netherlands four or five. Probably, yeah. But I think Japan's actually fallen off a bit. I, I really don't think Japan is the same uh, same strength that they once were. I, I I think we will have a pretty good game. I don't know if I would uh, put us uh, in the winning position against Japan, but I think we'd probably be able to hold them to a draw at this point. So, I feel I feel like Japan is is in an interesting situation. They almost are in kind of the same boat as the United States in the sense that their confederation, aside from maybe one other team for the United States, it's us. And for Japan, it's Australia. The rest of the confederation is not very good, at least right now. And I don't yeah. know when that's going to get better. Mm-hmm. I, obviously Asian women's football is not my forte, but, um, but we can at least see here in, in CONCACAF where Mexico is getting stronger. Costa Rica is getting stronger. Those teams are getting stronger. I don't know if many on the, in the women's side in Asia are maybe South Korea. I don't know, but anyways, it's just an interesting comparison. I thought. Mm-hmm. And the Koreans have, have been half decent. Yeah. So they have, I think, I think it's Japan, 
South Korea, and uh, maybe even North, maybe even North Korea to some degree. And then and yeah, in the North Aussie. Korea was always making tournaments and stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know how that works or how that's going or what's going on because you don't know anything that's going on over there. So yeah, just lots of the same haircuts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I guess that's almost it. We got a couple minutes, JP. Is there any topic? You want to discuss anything you want to promote anything going on in your life that you feel you need to get off your chest right now well there's a lot i could get off my chest yeah. um <laughs> but no um i'm back in youth football you know so yes. there you go um you know what? um oh, i was gonna say here we go return to return to play yeah you guys must it yeah. must be an exciting time right now just with alberta says uh <clears throat> on june 1st so that's the tuesday uh, groups of 10 outside socially distance. Uh, there's a potential that June 10th could open things up to everything. We could have games, full training everything. sessions, the whole nine yards. That's got to oh, be. Oh, no, COVID's too. gone in Alberta. Yeah, COVID's gone in Alberta. Okay, it's it's just, uh, yeah, we're over it. So as, as of June 10th, we are <laughs> done with it. The pandemic <laughs> no longer is in this province, apparently. Which right. is, I'll tell you what, though, in, in a serious note, it's great for kids. I mean, it's... Um, you know, they're the ones and, and we get by and we do what we have to, we're adults and we're, we're meant to do that. But these kids have no say in it. You know, they just had, they've had their lives taken away from them, uprooted in school, out school. Um, yeah. And, you know, they don't understand what's going on. All the youngest ones um, have football taken away, all sports taken away, not just football. So I'm delighted for them. Um, we've been doing things safely. You know, I can tell you at our club, we've done things safely. So even this last shutdown for us was difficult because we were following the rules. We were doing it right. Uh, we never had, we have, we have over 800 uh, young players at our club and we did, we did, we had zero um, transmission within our club because we followed the rules, you know? And um, yeah, so it's, it's been frustrating. It's nice to be back. The one thing I wanted to bring up though, is that rumor about uh, Montgomery. Um, did you see that anywhere? Uh, no, a rumor uh, about a loan? Just refresh everyone's memory. And by refresh, I mean, tell me, cause I don't remember it. No, it was just the other day. I just read somewhere that uh, there's apparently a loan um, oh. in the works for Montgomery and maybe Pacific. Okay. So if that's the case, then they, they, they take a jump up for me because they solve the only area of weakness that I see on that squad. There you go. JP putting Pacific up what, higher in the ranks if this goes through. Again? What position is he again? I'm trying to recall. Center back, no? Is, this, is he center back? Did I get the name wrong? Are we talking Cal Montgomery? Yeah. Okay. No. Yeah. I think yes, right. we are. Yes, we are. Cal Montgomery. Yeah. 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 Because <clears throat> yeah, I, I think yeah. I saw the same one. That uh, yeah, there was a rumor that he was potentially going to be signing with Pacific, but it's on loan then. Yeah. Okay. It would be alone. It would be okay. alone. So center back, right? I've got it yep. right, don't I? Yeah. I think you're myself, good. No? no, I think you're oh. good. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but that would solve. Yeah, that's what I thought. But that would solve that for me. I, I think right. that's the one area where I, I've always felt they could be they could strengthen. Um, taking nothing away from the lads that they've had, you know, because um, especially in PEI, I mean, they were just a good team playing out of the back. So uh, I thought Lucas McNaughton was a, I thought that was a breakout uh, tournament for him, um, honestly, because he was here at our club on trial yep. and um, before I went to Pacific, you know, so he's a great kid. So I'm delighted to see him do well. I just think that would give them the depth and a rotation of three center backs of that team that they could use. So. Yep. There you go. Sally, hit for us me. with uh, something that's not Chelsea related for the last call well, here. Sure, yeah. Yeah, why don't, we do a, why don't we do a Saskatoon CPL update? Oh, I love these. Go for it. Love yeah, it. so um, a couple of things have, have happened in the last couple of weeks. Um, so the uh, there was a coalition, basically, of the um, – the horse racing folks and the we really hate Prairie Land Park business owner folks who went in front of Saskatoon's uh, planning and development committee, who ultimately will make the recommendation to the city council as to what to do with with Marquis Downs, the, the horse racing track and, and, and on the soccer stadium, etc. Anyway, uh, overwhelmingly positive outcome for um, Saskatoon CPL for the stadium. Basically, they were told that uh, the city can't do anything about what Prairie Land wishes to do with, with that property. They have full control over the land due to the land lease agreement that they have with the city. And, and if the city tried to do anything, 
Prairie Land would essentially be able to sue them into the ground. And 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 I mean that right there, the second that the second that litigation and money gets involved, that's that's the end of it right there. So that was that was overwhelmingly positive for us. I mean, you never, you know, you never want to celebrate somebody else's uh misfortunes, but at the same time, they have not been kind to the soccer project in any way whatsoever. Um, so then the next thing that was absolutely groundbreaking is the Musaman First Nation. Uh, who are a little ways outside of Saskatoon, just announced yesterday that, uh, yesterday being Friday, that they are going to actually be building a full equine facility, including a horse racing track, uh, just just outside of the city in, in the rural municipality of Corman Park, which is literally the land that wraps all the way around Saskatoon, and they call that Corman Park. Um, and that is huge. The reason why that is so massive is one of the big arguments from uh, stadium detractors is that, well, you know, you're taking horse racing away, you're destroying an industry in the province. You know, uh, we're going to fight you tooth and nail over this. Well, the, the Mooseman First Nation have gone and solved that problem for everyone by uh, coming out and saying, well, we're, we're building this full Equin facility, this full horse racing track. And, uh, and, and now horse racing is not going to die in the province. There's going to be a new home for it. And it's now going to be under the control of Mooseman First Nation and, and uh, the FSIN, which is the kind of over, overall governing body of First Nations uh, bands in, in all of Saskatchewan, which is absolutely, I mean, we, we couldn't have asked for anything better. This is the absolute best case scenario because it solves the racetrack problem it puts that back into the hands of the First Nations community where it rightfully should have been from the get-go. It shouldn't have been in the hands of a bunch of rich white folks that like to exploit the sport for gambling purposes. And then right, the, those rich white folks are actually fighting this to some degree now. They're actually planning on uh, going to uh, a city planning and development committee again to try and force the city to give Marquis Downs heritage site designation, which would then mean that the, that location could not be redeveloped in any way. It would have to be maintained as a sports track, but they don't have a, they don't have a leg to stand on. They are ultimately going to get told that, no, they can't do that because actually Prairie Land Park who owns all the Marquis Down assets has already announced that they're going to be donating a ton of those assets to this new Mooseman project in kind. And, and that is a massive signal awesome. because Prairie Land is essentially passing the torch yeah. over to, to Mooseman First Nation. And the fact that, that they have already announced that they're going to be passing those assets off, I don't think they'd be doing that unless, unless there was kind of already an understanding between them and the city that this redevelopment, it's, it's in the bag. It's, it's in the bag. And it's very frustrating that these, that these rich white folks that literally live just outside the city with their their big uh, stables and everything who are complaining that they're going to be all poor now because they're not going to be able to run their, their uh, horse race, their horses in, in the races and be able to make a crap ton of money off of betting off of gambling um, are trying to fight this. And it's like, come on guys like this, you know, they, they started off by trying to say, Oh, well, you know, we're standing up for the whole racing industry. We're all in this together. Well, clearly you're not clearly you're, we're not all in this together because you're practically fighting what's happening uh, with, with the announcement from Usman first nation. And, and you're just literally in it for yourself is, is what it comes down to. I, I'm very infuriated that they're, they're doing this and we're actually, contemplating calling them out on it next week and seeing what their response is because it's, it's blatant and, and it's uh, it deserves to be called out because they were actually trying to play a, a racism card before the horse breeders association. And clearly that was never even in the conversation and they were trying to use that as a tactic, uh, you know, and that's, that's disgusting. If you ask me, that's, that's downright disgusting. Right. So, um, yeah. positive so, developments frankly, all around. Yeah, yeah, I mean, can I, can I just suggest so that I think you've actually just called them out, so you don't have to do it next yeah. week. Well, so you do I don't need them watch this podcast, unfortunately. So we kind of might go yeah. to social media and call them. Out. Um, uh, some no. of us might actually, some of us might actually go to the meeting uh, or attend the the meeting that they have with the planning committee and call them out during the meeting. So we'll see how that goes. No, but, it's good. Uh, I'm sorry, not to eat yeah. up more time, but yeah. really, really quickly, just to say. The final hurdle then uh, is um, the uh, city city council voting to financially support the stadium build, uh, the provincial government uh, declaring uh, financial support for the stadium build, and likely the federal government uh, providing um, 
uh, infrastructure grant money. Right. Um, once, once those three, because Prairie Land, Prairie Land and, and Living Sky Sports are, are going to contribute 25% of the cost of the build. And uh, the other 75 is going to come from the other three levels of government. So, it, but it'll be a public use, it'll be a public use facility. It'll be a multi, multi-use facility. Uh, so, um, you know, normally I'm a little bit against seeing public money going into, into sports infrastructure, but in this case, it's not going to be a stadium that's going to sit empty when there's not a professional sports team playing in it. There's going to be community use for the, the facility. So it's, it's, uh, justified in, in that regard. So there you go. Well, that's good. I'm glad that they've kind of sorted out something with horse racing so that, you know, the industry can still survive in that province, which is always good to see. Um, I am going to veer off a little bit, uh, but I think it's positive. And JP, you can't get too mad because there are Leafs fans there too. But what a joy to see even a limited amount of fans, 2,500 fans in the Bell Centre for Habs Leafs Game 6, which was tonight when we are recording. Um, even though it's, you know, a small step and we see American – stadiums just packed and everybody's you know no mask and everybody's just jumping into each other but for this country for Canada what a what a nice refreshing step forward that it Mm -hmm. appears to be getting back to normal Uh, and hopefully you know in a couple months when we can have CPL season CFL horse racing whatever it is anything outside that people can be there and I just I can't (laughs) wait for people to be back at at things and so it was so nice to see fans in the building tonight for that game. Yeah, but yeah. Agreed. That's it. Yeah. I think that's time, boys and girls. Why don't we wrap her up? Jeff underscore Paulus on Twitter. Jeff D. Salisbury on Twitter. He's on some other stuff too. You can follow him there. It's probably all the same. <laughs> I'm Grayson Knudsen on Twitter. At the Cynical Chow One is the vodcast. Follow us there and search Cynical Challenge on YouTube as well. Spotify and all your favorite podcatchers as well. Gentlemen, always a pleasure. And uh, we'll chat. I think we're going to chat after the two uh, matches against Aruba and Suriname as Sally flashes the Chelsea badge once again. Fellas, thanks so much. We'll chat soon.